came here to say that you don't really want it with us, yeah. We love you know. We came here to say that you don't really want it with us, yeah. yeah. The sports show. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Happy holidays to all. Welcome to episode 44 of the Your Sports Show. I'm your host, Big Baby, a.k.a. the soul of R&B. To my right, we have the queen, Queen Tay. Yo, I like your shirt. I like your shirt. Your shirt had it. Just let everybody know who you are, the queen right there. To the, my bottom right, we have the voice of a generation, the professor, please don't uh, copyright infringe us. <laughs> Pete Rosado. What's up, everybody? What's listen, y'all, I still haven't I still haven't dug my car out. This is terrible. Very nice. That's lazy. Um, and, so, and someone who has dug their car out a few times, <laughs> B K Matt. What's going on? Legit. He was, legit. Like three times. He was on he was on the phone with he was on the phone with me when he was he was digging the car out the other yeah. night. <laughs> the worst part about it is in my neighborhood they're doing um construction on the train and mm-hmm. they came out and put signs all on the on the, on my block that said, Oh, this is a towaway zone from Friday, five AM till Sunday. And I'm just like, How you gonna tow my car? If you can't even, if there's still snow blocking the whole driver's side, you can't get it out the street. So I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, car that's, problem. That's yeah. Snow plow, you. Yeah, the snow plows are the worst because they do nothing. The snow plows do nothing but actually just pile snow up in front of your car and make it worse for you to try to get your car out. Or your car. Yeah. Yeah. Tell them about how it was in Canarsie. They used to just leave us for dead. They used to leave us for dead. We we, we were stuck. Speaking like of, did you, days, hear about, did you hear about days, the, did you, do nothing. did you hear about that dude in Oswego? Um, right a couple days ago, um, a snowplow came by and dropped a couple of feet of snow on his car, and the dude was in his car, stuck in his car for ten hours. Damn. <laughs> I hope his heat was working. No, he it wasn't because he had a broken a broken serpentine belt, so he couldn't even turn the car on, and he ended up having to, to get taken to the hospital and everything. But stuck in his car for ten hours because they dumped snow on his car. Yikes, bro, that's tough. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm God. sorry for laughing. I didn't. I should ask if he was okay first before I started laughing. Jeez. I mean, it's funny, but you know. Yeah. So, how was everybody's week? Um, Tay, how was your week? Busy. As usual. As usual. Um, busy but good. Always. Good. Um, Always. I'm trying to kind of hustle as much as I can, work as much as I can, um, mm-hmm. until the end of the year. Yeah, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. I'm just trying to be like, tell you when I grow up. <laughs> Peace. Thanks. Um, it was it was an interesting week. You know, it was the last full week of uh, last full week of school for me. We got two and a half more days left. Um, I only get a, a day and a half because Tuesday I got to go in and uh, have a fight with my dentist. I'm gonna have you know they they gonna pull two of my wisdom teeth on uh Ooh. yeah on Tuesday. So that's gonna that's gonna be fun. That's um, 
Sounds like an amazing experience. It was supposed to happen this week, and I didn't know if I was going to be cleared for the show, but then they rescheduled because <laughs> of the storm. Ah, uh, got you, got you. Matt, how was yours? I'm right there with you. I just <laughs> scheduled my, my surgery. I got to get all four. Yo, I, only like two, two. I only got two left, so. <laughs> yeah, so that I'm not anticipating that, but you guys know I've been having, like, crazy headaches and you know, ending out the hospital and stuff for that. But yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. So it's like it was one of the <sighs> worst experiences. Yeah. Wisdom teeth extraction is one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life. And I gave yeah. birth. But the bright side is the bright yeah. side is I get to eat sunflower seeds afterwards. That's the only bright side about it. Not for a couple I miss days. my sunflower seeds. Hmm? Huh? Not for a couple of days. It took a while for I my know. Oh yeah, it took a while for me. I remember when I got my wisdom, I got my wisdom tooth pulled and a tooth ne- next to it pulled at the same time. And this is around mania season, and I'm just like, oh, I can't eat, I can't eat. And um, I remember Amanda came over for mania, and she shredded, she gave me shredded chicken and like like soft Hawaiian rolls because I couldn't eat nothing. <laughs> I'm surviving off injure and water. For a few days. Yeah, I, I actually I made the one phone call no adult man likes to make. I called my mama and I was like, "Can I, you make for me? Make me some soup, please." I called the hell out my mama. Mom, help! <laughs> man, so I got I got a little thing of soup. I got some soup in the fridge for uh, for Tuesday because I know at least for Tuesday, probably Wednesday. But Wednesday I'm going to be driving. Wednesday I'm heading down to North Carolina right after the. Uh, Right Wait, after the school day ends, Tuesday, and you're gonna be. You think you're gonna be good to drive on Wednesday? Good luck <laughs> with the the weather too, with, bro. You wild? Uh, 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 Vicodin is your friend. You no, it's not. No, no it's not. <laughs> now, are you driving? Oh no, no, no! That's what I'm gonna be. No, nah, no, I couldn't like even. They prescribed me that because I had two taken out at the same time with one tube like Dre. I had a, yeah. It was like a whole mess. And yeah. I was having delusions on that thing. On that oh. I couldn't do it. Mm. I couldn't do yeah, it. It was crazy. It was crazy for me too. But um, not too much going on this week. But let's get Why into quick hits for the week of November 18th. No, uh, 18th. December. December. Sorry, and, I'm ready and, for the year to be over. Sorry. De- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome December. back, ladies and gentlemen. Another another edition of Quick Hits for the week of December 19th. We only two more weeks to the end of this godforsaken year. Um, and we could probably hopefully start anew. Uh, so let's start in the NBA as the season's about to start. The NBA approves Ryan Smith as the new owner of the Utah Jazz. The sale went through for $1.66 billion. He bought the team, the G League team, the arena, and I believe another piece that was owned by the former Utah owner. Um, one of the greatest things that he was told by Adam Silver uh, was that not it's very hard for anybody to get a piece of any NBA team, let alone their team. Ryan Smith is a fan of the Utah Jazz and has had courtside tickets for years. Um Funny story that came out of it, though. He told, he revealed to reporters that he almost bought the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was actually in conversations with Glenn Taylor to buy the T Wolves, but his wife, Ashley, 
stopped him in the living room one day and said, what are you doing? We're jazz fans. That's what we do. And I don't want to move. And so the Utah Jazz was then bought by Ryan Smith. Jeremy Lin is back in the NBA, ladies and gentlemen. Jeremy Lin back in the NBA. He has signed with the Golden State Warriors G League team. Um, so he will be on a contract that will allow him to possibly get back in full-time NBA uh, play. The Rockets are expanding their James Harden trade talks. Don't mean to cut you off, but the way you described it inside the group chat, you made it seem like he was had a, a solidified spot <laughs> on the Golden State Warriors. Now it's like he will. I was like, he will. He will. My man. He, he won't. My man the, he won't. He, he won't. <laughs> he won't. We got a lot of Tay love today. Okay. He gonna back up. He gonna back up Ubre and, and Curry. Um, Hold on, pause. That is one of my best friends in the whole world, Lulu. Thank you, baby. I love you. Shout out to Lulu. Shout out to to Amanda. All love, honey. I'm trying to get like you too. And I got to get that Coquito for Christmas. Yeah. Um, Amanda asks, how's everyone? Every I think everyone's doing great here. Everyone's doing great. Shout out to shout out to my baby. Shout out to you on his own talk. Um, but continue on, Pete. Sorry, that's all right. The Houston Rockets expanding their James Harden trade talks to include mm-hmm. more teams. Um, the the New Jersey uh, the New Jersey sorry the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets still apprehensive about making the long anticipated trade for mm-hmm. James Harden, and there are thoughts that the Nets will not make a trade unless a third or fourth team get involved. Speaking of Houston, oh boy, a report came out this week. That since the beginning of the summer, at least every player on the University of Houston's men's basketball team has tested positive for COVID-19. Currently, Houston has not played since December the 5th. And for the last two weeks, they've been practicing with only six active players. They are hoping that at least two to three get cleared in time for their next game so they can have eight or nine players on the on the on the team. But the entire University of Houston basketball team at some point since the beginning of the summer, well, since the summer when NCAA players report to campuses have tested positive for COVID-19. When will the NCAA learn? We've seen it in college football. We've seen it in college basketball. COVID is... COVID is running rampant more in the NCAA than it is in the major in the major league sports. Yo, Kyrie is definitely a whole tap. I don't care what nobody says. Listen, Ky- Kyrie is on the Kanye on the Kanye ish. He is smoking whatever Kanye Kanye has. Uh, going to Major League Baseball, the biggest story to come out of the week: the Cleveland Indians are no more, or will be. No more, as they have decided to drop their century-old nickname. Uh, They have played under the Cleveland Indians moniker for over 17,000 games and over a century worth of games. No word yet on what the new name would be and uh, no word yet on how long the process is going to take. Last year, the Cleveland Indians dropped their mascot, uh, Chief Wahoo, that had been on their jerseys for years and now moving forward with dropping the name of the Indians. They may end up playing uh, as as Washington is doing in 
uh, football right now as the Cleveland baseball team um, for right now until a new name is decided and merchandise and everything is approved. The Cleveland baseball team. Oh, man, I thought I was going to laugh at, you know, I really thought the Washington football team would just be like, uh, eh, it's the Washington football team, but they just make me laugh every time they win. And like the team that they lose to, you lost to the a team with no name. You lost to a team with no name. Yeah, right. So. And it's very interesting because, you know, you have iconic movies like Major League, which star the Cleveland Indians. And so the question is going to be, how does that get retroed now with the name change? And how does that get looked at? put that movie on TV in 100 years, so I guess it'll be all right. Right. Yeah, it'll be it'll be all right, and then they'll do like what they do for some movie movies now. They'll put a disclaimer, kind of, or a warning, saying that uh, this may offend due to past blah 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 blah. So, but that movie don't come on TV no more. So, moving right. moving to the NFL, we have some injury news and some uh, uh, injury changes to line up. Speaking of the Washington Football Team. Dwayne Haskins will be starting once again at quarterback this week as Alex Smith has been ruled out due to a strained right calf. Alex Smith has been starting for the Washington football team and has actually put them in first place in the woebegone NFC East um, and in line for a playoff spot. You always got something to say about the NFC East. Your team is trash. They are. I admit it. I admit it, though. I'm open. I'm open with it. That's tough. I think we have more wins than the Jets do in the past two years this year. Who the Giants? No, not not this year. <laughs> over the past two years, no, no, I can do that mm-hmm. math for you. Uh, <laughs> so Dwayne Haskins will be starting uh, over Alex Smith this week, and um, you might as well call Drew Brees Superman. Might as well call Drew Brees Superman. Uh, Drew Brees will be returning to start for the New Orleans Saints this week after only missing four games. Ladies and gentlemen, if you were not uh, or were not aware or did not remember, Drew Brees went on the injured list because he he broke 11 ribs and punctured his lung. And he is returning after only four weeks on the shelf. Uh, Many are questioning whether or not it is a a wise decision for the Saints, but everybody's saying that it was a a foregone conclusion as the Saints are playing the Kansas City Chiefs this week. And so who doesn't want to see Breeze versus Mahomes? I don't want to see that. I don't don't care. I want to – I don't care. And I don't care. You know, to be honest with you, (laughs) to heal from rib – Rib injuries are, are quick heels. So when we say only four games, he did miss over a month. So let's just be fair. Uh, and now some NFL news to piss Tavia off. Are we starting early? Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, after throwing three touchdown passes to three different players, Aaron Rodgers has moved into fourth place in NFL history for the most games with three or more touchdown passes. Uh, He now has 73, passing the man that he replaced in Green Bay, uh, Brett Favre. Uh, It was also his 26th career game with both a passing and a rushing touchdown, actually making Aaron Rodgers have the third most in NFL history. Cam Newton has 42, Steve Young has 31, and now... Uh, Aaron Rodgers with 26. Had that's to get a, that little nugget in that's there. A, that's a wacky stat. You know how, like, sometimes they just bring up stupid stats like, oh, 
this person led, uh, you know, leads, you know, life with, you know, 24 four yard plays in three minutes left in the game. Little stupid stuff like that. It was like, why is that a why is that a stat? <laughs> well, you know the dual the dual threat quarterback, right? The running in the, the running and the throwing. Right. That was an impressive next. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and our last two topics are kind of discussion topics for us and the team this week. Um, so Randy Moss came out yesterday and they asked him about uh, this was uh, via the uh, Get Your Popcorn Ready podcast with T.O. and Hatch. And uh, they mm. asked Randy Moss about um, wide receivers across the across the game and across history and where he would mm. rank himself. And Randy Moss said, quote, I'll put myself first. I'd put T.O. second. I would probably put Jerry Rice probably third or fourth. And a lot of controversy surrounding those statements. Where do you have Randy Moss? First, second, or third all time? And do you have mm. – better yet, let me rephrase that question. Do you believe Randy Moss should be ranked ahead of Jerry Rice when we talk about best wide receivers of all time? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I mean, Jerry Rice for, first, everybody else after. Yeah, Jerry Rice is the best wide receiver of all time. Uh, and then to be honest with you, it's a tie between T.O. And, and Randy Moss because I feel like there were some plays that T.O. did that were way more spectacular than Randy Moss. Randy Moss was a, a beast. You know, he's right as far as, like, the top three names with wide receivers, but I think his placement is a bit skewed. So, you know, for me, it's definitely um, – He's like two or three, if that. I think that, um, like I said, you can have a two A two B argument with 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 T O and Moss. I think the only reason why I gave it to T O is because in the short field, um, T O was better yeah. than Randy Moss. Like if we're talking about lo- like long down the field plays. Wasn't too many better than Randy Moss outside of Jerry Rice. Yeah, I agree with like, that. Um, and lastly, our last story for quick hits this week: the mm-hmm. NBA. Great, Pete. How do you feel about it? Oh, I right. agree that Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver in football, uh, bar none. Mm-hmm. Uh, I laughed when I heard these comments from Randy Moss because I do believe that Jerry Rice, bar none, is number one. Um, I do agree with y'all that you can have the argument between uh, that you're really splitting hairs between T.O. and Randy Moss. I give it a little bit more to Randy Moss simply because just I felt like Randy Moss was a lot more dynamic across the whole game. Where, like, you could see Randy Moss get 12 catches, 13 catches. With T.O., I always felt like he wasn't a volume pass catcher, even as a big-name wide receiver. And a lot of big-name wide receivers, a lot of the number ones are not volume guys, right? They're big play guys, um, you know, and usually have your slots and your guys that are more of the volume uh, players. But I felt like Randy Moss had that versatility where he could be a volume guy. And the biggest thing to me was I always felt like, you couldn't stop Randy. I felt like there were corners and safeties that could stop T.O. I felt like if you put if you hit T.O. hard enough, T.O. just didn't want to play as hard. He gave up a little bit. And Randy, I feel like if you hit Randy, Randy wanted to to, to make you pay for that. Yeah, um, I think I think Randy was big. Randy was bigger and a little a little bit bigger and more physical. Like like you know how we how we look how we were looking at Calvin Johnson. 
kind of Randy Moss was the mold of that first. And then Calvin Johnson was his own mold. But we talk, when we talk about physical receivers, so yeah, and I, I, think, I give you, you know, that. You bring up Calvin, and I think of uh, I think of players like you know uh, Marvin Harrison um, and and Steve Smith and all of them. Yep, yep, and and yep, you know, yep. and, and I always I always say sometimes when it comes to things like this, in my opinion, you take a guy like a Jerry Rice, a To, and a, and a Randy Moss, and you put them in a league of their own, and then you start the list. Right. Because I don't think I think it's very hard to touch those three because I don't think you can make a, you know, Marvin Harrison is going to go into the Hall of Fame as a wide receiver. And I think when you look at the numbers, you can you can say that Marvin Harrison could be one of the best or top three receivers in football. But I think it's hard when you have players with the longstanding impact of a T.O., a Jerry Rice and a Randy Moss. Yeah. Um, and our last our last story NBA.com every year does a annual survey um, of general managers across the league. And they ask them questions about the upcoming season and about upcoming players. And this year was the 19th year that they've done it. And here are just some highlights. And I want to kind of get your take on what the GMs said. 81% of responding general managers picked the Lakers to repeat this year. It's the third highest pick uh, in the history of the survey. The only teams higher was when the, when 93% of GMs picked the 17-18 Warriors to win the title and when 87% of GMs picked the 18-19 Warriors to win the title. Um, okay. in, in second place with 11% were the Clippers and um, – the Brooklyn Nets and Miami Heat uh, broke off the remaining, um, I believe, what seven, eight uh, percent of the vote. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Eight, it, it, is it too overwhelmingly in favor of the Lakers? Maybe eighty-one percent. Um. Okay. Mm. Uh, go. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so I feel like it's too overwhelming. Um, we are forgetting the fact that the Heat did uh-huh. give. The Lakers are a good run for their money. It wasn't an easy win for that finals. I think that the 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 Heat kind of broke themselves down over that series more than the Lakers beat them, um, which was kind of disappointing for a lot of people who thought that the Lakers were going to kind of just slam them into the ground. So mm-hmm. I think that um, that overwhelming percentage is troubling. That overwhelming percentage is troubling to me. Um, while I do feel that the Lakers are a easy fav- easier favorite, I would say I would have them at like a 65%. Because you're not even counting the Clippers, because I don't think the Clippers are it. Um, but I do think that they have more of a threat from the East than they did last season. Um, and I think that um, you can't count out the Heat. And you can't count out the Brooklyn Nets. And Tay, just to your point really quickly, last year in this poll, GMs picked the LA Clippers as the favorite to win the title, but only at 46%. And so that's how different the poll was last year compared to this year. Yeah, well, that's double. I guess because they saw how the the Lakers won um, this last finals. But at the end of the day, I feel like um, the Lakers didn't look as good in the finals or even in the Western Conference finals as people thought that they would have, because I feel like they were really running into t- that gave them time than people did. And Lakers did get a little bit better. Those other teams got a little bit better as well. A lot of those teams got better. 
yeah. a lot of those teams that uh, if we look at uh, a team that got bounced out in the first round but had a hell of a series, Utah. Utah wasn't at full strength during the playoffs. Um, like I said, you ran into a Miami Heat team that that came in injured and still gave you six games. Six games. Um, and still gave you six games injured, and which doesn't look good for the Lakers. If you know, if, if it's powerhouse, if you're a powerhouse team, and um, you you know what the one seed going is the fifth seed in the East. And yeah, you know history shows that that should be. Lakers in four. Um, but, um, go ahead, Dre. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit too high for the Lakers. I agree with Tay. Um, in the sixties, should be fair. We have to give some respect to a lot of the Eastern teams, like you said, are coming up. Um, we can't we can't sleep on some of the Western teams like Den, like Denver, and like Denver and Utah. Um, uh, that's pretty much with Denver and Utah. It, you really much can't sleep on them. Houston looks good, but they have to get that hardened stink off of them to see what they're really going to be. Um, the Warriors are contenders, but not for the finals this year. But um, yeah, sixty five percent is pretty good, and then you even it out the rest. I think the um, I think. Brooklyn at around seven or eight, seven to ten percent is is cool. I think Miami should have a higher percentage, though. I think Miami they didn't get they didn't get worse. They lost they lost they lost Crowder, but they gained um, Avery Bradley. So it's not too big of a loss, and you have another wing defender. So now you don't have Jimmy Butler tiring all himself that out. And, and those young players are just going to get better, right? Um, right. Uh, quickly going through the East, uh, this is what they picked, the top four teams in the East uh, in this order according to GMs. Milwaukee, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Miami, Boston, one to four. Uh, in the West, Lakers, Clippers, Denver, Dallas, one to four. They've um, given Milwaukee the benefit of the doubt again because – Again, because they won 60 games the past – well, they won 50-something games last year. Going to round it off to see because they would have won the 60 games. We're not, we're not, I'm not going to cut them out there. But So basically two straight years of number one seed in the East, but two straight years of being bounced out of the playoffs by teams that shouldn't have bounced them out of the playoffs. 100%. So now this is what, this is what my issue is. Mm-hmm. They're putting a lot of stock on Giannis, and I'm wondering when is the when are the dividends going to pay off for them for all of this hype? Now Giannis is a, is a great player. He has the mm-hmm. potential to be a very amazing player, but I have not mm-hmm. seen enough from the Milwaukee Bucks to have them at number one in the East. Not when you have Kevin Durant on the East. Not when you have Jim Butler in the Heat. I still can't see the Milwaukee Bucks taking on either Brooklyn or Miami in the playoff series. Especially if Brooklyn keeps their players. Exactly. Brooklyn had a strong core. They just didn't have any superstar pieces. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. They were 18 for team's sake. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. But I don't – I feel like even Milwaukee at their best – is not better than Brooklyn at their mediocre. 
Well, this is this is where it's going to get very interesting. Let me throw this out here, and, and Tay brings up a good point, and I want to, say, and, and I think her point's going to be very uh, validated here. Really quickly, uh, NBA GMs who will win the twenty twenty one Kia MVP uh, number one with thirty two percent of the vote, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, followed by Luka Doncic with twenty one percent. If you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, forty three percent of um, GMs responded with Giannis, tied with Luca at forty three percent. So, um, <laughs> uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Michael Porter Jr. were voted to uh, most likely to have the most uh, breakout season this year, and and this is where we get just a little interesting. The last couple of things I'm going to mention here. Here we go. According to NBA GM's best point guard in the NBA, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, Luka Doncic, your top three. Best shooting guard in the NBA, Harden is number one at 68%, Bradley Beal and Luka Doncic at number two at 11% each. Best small forward in the NBA, LeBron James at 57%, Kawhi Leonard at 25%, and Kevin Durant at 11%. That's gonna go up. That's gonna go up. We we know why it's at eleven percent. I and I, I'll give I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for that one because he was injured. I you can have that, but we know. <laughs> best <laughs> we, power we know. forward, best power forward in the NBA with forty six percent of the vote. Number one, Giannis. LeBron number two at twenty five percent, and Anthony Davis uh, number three at twenty one percent. How are you putting Giannis? Over AD, yeah, and mm-hmm. anything. I, you know, I maybe I need to maybe I need to really go back and watch some tapes on Jan's to see if I'm missing something because I feel like I'm missing something. It gets, it gets, not, it gets better. You're it gets, not it, missing yes. anything. You're it gets not better, missing anything. It gets better. <laughs> really quickly, last three best center in the NBA: Nikola Jokic. Leads the league according to NBA GMs with 50% of the vote. Anthony Davis mm-hmm. at 43. Giannis in third place with 7% of the vote. Why? Why? Uh, they put uh, – look at that's Here we go. Best defensive, player, best defensive player in the NBA according to NBA GMs. Giannis Antetokounmpo gets 46% of the vote. Anthony Davis, 21. Kawhi Leonard gets 18. And lastly, and here's the, here's the creme de la creme, who is the best international player in the NBA? Giannis comes out first, according to NBA GMs, with 68% of the vote. Luka Doncic is second with 29%. And Nikola Jokic at 4% in third place. This is how I used to feel when... Jordan would be at the top of these lists every year. There were years where other players were playing leaps and bounds ahead of Jordan. And because of the name set, because of, of the stock that the corporate NBA office put behind Jordan as a brand, you get what I'm saying? You kind of missed the boat on people who were performing lights out consistently. Like, look at it. There were, there were two Three years in the league where Sean Kemp was playing better than Jordan to me. You get what I'm saying? You don't even mention Sean Kemp unless you're talking about child support and, and bankruptcy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Where the Knicks were, a, to me, a better team than the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they were, you know, so it's just, you know, I, I'm, I'm just really sourly disappointed that. Mm-hmm. 
they feel this this affinity towards Giannis. Giannis is a great athlete. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not gonna. And this is not for me to to crap all over his potential. But I don't see him as MVP of his team. I don't see him as MVP of his league. I know he could be MVP of his team, but not of the league. I feel like there are better players in his same position. And I don't feel like the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be that team this year. What have, have they gotten better? With the, 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 the signing of Drew Holiday and a couple other pieces, they have, they've made themselves a little bit more competitive. But when you go down the East, and I really took a look at the Sixers team, and I'm just like, that Sixers team should be able to handle Milwaukee. Um, Washington doesn't look bad on paper, and it won't look bad with you know with Beal and Westbrook. I think people are not looking at that too much because they think about you know the the personalities clashing. But I think that will work out. Boston, <laughs> what else do we have to say about Boston? Um. It's too many other teams in the East that that's probably going to be better than the Bucks. Now the Bucks just off the off the strength of Giannis and you know how he just drives to the rack and and he'll get to the free throw line and not having to shoot the ball in the regular season. Um, yes, they'll probably win the most games in the East again. Tada! Who cares? You're the number one seed and you can't get to the finals. That's what everybody's. I'm talking about you're, you're heading you're heading into to to certain territory that you don't want to be in because James Harden is in that territory right like where you get to the dance you can't get to the final dance right? numbers don't mean nothing MVPs don't mean nothing I, I'm going to compare Giannis to the Patrick Ewings of the league right yeah I feel that there is a lot of stock in Giannis and I get it you get what I'm saying I get He's the he. They're trying to push him as the next big thing post LeBron. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I don't connect with it at all because I feel like while he is a good, and a way above average player, first of all, Milwaukee is not the target market for corporate entities to be like. Let's put our stock into Milwaukee. You get what I'm saying? Number mm-hmm. two, how they performed last year in the playoffs were inexcusable. I. I just feel like they were lousy. They were worse than the Clippers to me. Uh, I can see where you're going with that. I can see where you're going with that. I, I, I'll give the one A and one B with the Clippers only because they, they played the same way, exact way. It's just, yeah. Because yeah, Middleton, Middleton played like Middleton played like Paul George did. Yep, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're right. So I'll give Giannis a little the slight injury. You get what I'm saying? To mm-hmm. kind of like not be as rough, but nah. Right. Nah. I don't and and Paul George is like, oh yeah, we didn't have chemistry, blah blah blah, chemistry, chemistry. Um, all right, if you want to use that argument, Bucks been playing together the whole year. What is your problem? It and it's I think and I like Mike Budenholzer as a coach. I love Mike Budenholzer as a coach. But he needs to hold Giannis accountable for not being able to hit outside shots or even shoot them. Because in the playoffs, that's a wrap. When when you saw Al Horford stuff up Giannis, that's when you knew it was like, 
all right, bro. Something something's Al up. Horford? Right. And and Al and Horford is respect to Al Horford. Right. You know, he's had a long career. You get what I'm saying? But this is Al Horford now. Right. We're not talking about Atlanta Al, Al Horford. Right. We're talking about yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder now. And the funny thing Al about Horford. it is when I first put this in the in the group chat yesterday, Dre thought this was reporters that were voting this way. And I was like, no, it's this is NBA general managers. It's ridiculous. General managers can't be trusted. <laughs> but um, Pete, thank you. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, that that that's a bit wild. That, <laughs> that's that that's it. It is what it is, honestly, because they play. They're gonna ride who they ride with. Um, again, not to be a quote unquote bronze sexual, but if we talk about the MVP award and we talk about value to a team. Let's talk about the times where, like, the last couple of years when Braun was in, in Cleveland, and, and if you remove Braun from that team, you see the value of that team decrease. Um, same thing with, with, you know, with Steph and, and the Warriors and everything like that, but uh, whatever. That is what it is. Let's get into one of our other topics of the day. So it's long overdue, guys. Very, very, very long overdue. The Negro League is now part of Major League Baseball. Um, they are now looked at as a major league. They have now combined the stats of about over 34,000 players between the years of 1920 to 1948 uh, into the MLB record books. So, um, Pete, I'll let you start here. How do you feel um, that changes records and why do you think it t- takes so long? Well, I think it, it took a long time um, from a technical standpoint because it's not a Negro League, right? It was the Negro mm-hmm. Leagues. Um, there were mm-hmm. so many small, independent, kind of fly-by-night uh, leagues that were created during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the record-keeping was really, really bad. Uh, there was a lot of discrepancies with a lot of that. But I think, I think it, it took – a lot of progression because I, you know, obviously in baseball, the one thing we can always say is the records are holy, right? The records are holy. It is, it is, that is the thing, you know, people in the NBA, people in the NFL are happy for other people to break their records. Fans are happy to see records broken, but in baseball, it's so steeped in the tradition of the record that to see somebody break somebody else's record, it's almost as if fans kind of get upset about it, right? Other players don't, but fans get upset about it. Um, how can stats, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting about how stats change. Um, but here's here's how, because obviously, you know, you're going to get <clears throat> players like, you know, Josh Gibson, who, according to Negro League records, once hit 441 in a season in 1943, right? Which would obviously be the best hitting season of all time, mm-hmm. you know, when Ted Williams hit 400, I mean, 406 in 1941, which is considered the best batting average in Major League Baseball history over the course of a season. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're going to have records like that. Josh Gibson is said to have hit at least. 800 and 900 home runs over the course of his career in the Negro Leagues and in, in other places, right? Mm-hmm. 
way more than obviously Babe, uh, Hank Aaron's record and Barry Bonds' record, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. The question is going to be how these records are subsidized, mm -hmm. right? So, for example, when Josh Gibson hit 441, he did it in only 78 games in his season. Ted Williams, when he hit 406, is when he played 143 games in um, 1943. Now, obviously, the MLB season and the Negro Leagues season, two different lengths of seasons. And so what people right. are going to say is, well, if you extrapolate, you know, Josh Gibson's uh, 1943 season over the course of 143 games instead of just 78 games, does he still hit over 400? What happens in those other 70-something games that he didn't have to play that Ted Williams did play to maintain that batting average? So there's going to be a lot of those questions there, but things that are going to change d definitively, mm -hmm. Willie Mays, right, um, mm -hmm. did have 17 uh, hits in the major leagues. Right. Um, he uh, in the Negro Leagues, he did have some home runs um, in the Negro Leagues, which will change his total. Right. You're going to get. And, and the biggest thing is going to be really Satchel Page. Satchel Page is the greatest player in the history of baseball to have only had a cup of coffee in the major leagues. Okay, The man only played in the major league baseball for five seasons when he was in his 40s and he was a hall of famer for just those five years okay mm -hmm. but when you look at his negro leagues stats he had 115 wins over 18 seasons in the negro leagues 112 of those are complete games 25 shutouts over 1500 strikeouts and an, a 2.36 era in 1500 innings mm. right his win total in Major League Baseball over five years is 143. So you give him those 115 wins, you're talking at his win total being close to 300 wins, okay, which is usually Hall of Fame, you know, stamp it Hall of Fame, you've got 300 wins as a pitcher, which we've always said that we're not right. going to get 300 wins anymore in the current state of Major League Baseball. So, you know... It's, it's going to be very interesting to see how they move the stats over because I can see long time, and let me just say this very clearly, white baseball fans having a, an issue with these records now being brought in if they break the longstanding records or if they affect the longstanding records of certain players like Ted Williams uh, and others in, in Major League Baseball. Yes, I agree. I think the um, the satchel page ar argument, like I said, I'm glad you brought that up last because that's the um, that's the biggest thing. Because um, we have, you know, Babe Ruth is listed as the greatest baseball player of all time. So if 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 you ask many baseball players, Babe Ruth is the greatest. But you start talking about satchel page and what he's done. Now in the Negro League, and then his three years in in three or uh, three or five, five three, years, or, five three years. or four years, five years in in yeah. the major leagues. It's like the man came back at fifty nine years old to pitch <laughs> in the major leagues. The man pitched for five years in his forties, retired, then came back mm -hmm. at the age of fifty nine to pitch a game. Like you know, and and also remember in the Negro mm -hmm. leagues, they were sometimes playing two to three games a day. 
right? Mm-hmm. Two or three games a day back to back. You know, they'd go, they'd play a game, they'd have another team play a game, and then they'd come back on the field and play a game because they didn't have that longevity to go and just travel and do all these things. You know, outside of Satchel Page and maybe Josh Gibson and things like that, there's not going to be a lot of stats that are going to touch the top of the record books, but it's going to be very interesting yeah. for those few players who could threaten the way we see certain records, how they're going to get treated when the numbers are accumulated. Tay, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I agree with both of you and Peter's assertions and um, comments on this topic. Um, There were also a few women who played in the Negro Leagues who will now be the first women to have Mm. ever played in the majors. So let's not forget, you know, we know that you know, Satchel Page is a huge deal. That's a, that's a name that I guess I've always known about as, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, they always made sure that we knew about the Negro Leagues and we knew about the Jackie Robinsons and, and such, right? But there were enough, there were a few women who played as well. Like, uh, I think her name was Mamie or Peanut Johnson. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, Peanut Johnson will now become mm-hmm. the first ever woman mm-hmm to pitch in a major league game. So those are things that now mean something, I feel. And I think that they should also honor these players in a very, you know, future forward way. And let's talk about how they're going to take care of their descendants because a lot of these people, have 99% of these people have already passed. So how do mm-hmm. you keep their legacy going? So... You know, I, I think it's long overdue. And um, I do applaud the, M- the MLB. People are saying this is long overdue. I understand that, that it shouldn't have taken this long. But it's here. And let's just see how it stands the test of time. Shouts to my mom. That's Hi. my mom on screen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I got it. That'll be fine. Thank you, thank you. Black, that ain't, black, ain't, no, ain't nobody that, that hype you up better than your mama. Listen. Listen, I'm my mom's biggest fan. She's mine. (laughs) So, shouts to her. Shouts to her. I'm going to see her New Year's Day. Can't wait. Um, But I I agree with both. I definitely agree with both of you. And um, I think the the Peanut Johnson thing is very, very important. Um, I put that. I put that probably a little bit above the um, Satchel Page stuff because it's it's something that we've never thought we would see, right? And the fact that there's stats now, there's paperwork shown that that's being presented and that's being that's legalized, saying that there was a woman to pitch in the major leagues, there was a black woman to pitch in the major leagues. That's historic. Um, we're gonna have some record change, like you said, Pete. But that's uh, and but what Tater said is undebatable. People are going to debate. Oh well, the Negro League had seventy something games this that, and the third. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of sim and 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 expedite the stats from then? And how would you make it like uh, compared to what it is now? That's going to be a lot of the problems. But you can't. There's no point in time where you can now say, oh, we never had a woman pitch or we'll never have a woman in the league. No, 
we have a woman that's in the major leagues, and yes, um, the the mid the the people or the families in the Negro League should be compensated in some way, um, especially out because of you know the major league baseball somewhat not block like kind of blocking them out. It's like no, it was only one real league, right? Up until you know it's it's 2020, the end of 2020, going into 2021, and we're just finding out these things. Like you know, unless you you've looked it up or or you know, but new baseball fans coming in, you now have a new perspective of the game. Now, yeah, you have you now have a new perspective of the game. Black baseball players you now have a new perspective on the game. Now, if you didn't know your history. Now you know your history. And honestly, this is something that needs to be understood with, you know, I think Major League Baseball really needs to use this as a platform to start to recognize other leagues, like the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Anybody who's seen the movie A League of Their Own, Mm -hmm. right, um, knows the story that was told in that movie. And that's, you know, it's based on a true story. It's based on true teams and real people. Um, And there were black women that played in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, right? And so these leagues that operated, and for those who don't know, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League was started because many Major League Baseball players went to go serve in the World Wars. Right. And because baseball was at that time America's biggest sport, right, they wanted something to help fill the void. And they figured that, you know, using women, and they originally tried to sexualize them and, and playing baseball, you know, would, would, cover it you know and that's what they did they kind of had these traveling teams and these women showed uh first off we're not to be sexualized we can actually be great baseball players and they became great baseball players and showed out for many years right and the team that we see in that movie the rockford peaches actually won four championships right and (laughs) we're talking about 600 women over 600 women played in this league that had 10 teams between 1943 and 1954, right? And in 1948, you had over 900,000 people going to see these games in total, right? And, you know, and uh, you know the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, along with the Negro Leagues, along with things like the Cuban League, which was the longest-running uh, not the current Cuban League, but like the original mm-hmm. Cuban League, which was the longest running professional baseball organization outside of the United States. I honestly think Major League Baseball needs to start going back into its history and recognizing these alternate forms of baseball that were not considered Major League Baseball and bring them into the fold and give them their credit and give them their place in history. Because without them, much of what we know of baseball now doesn't exist or crumbles way back when. So do we look at Major League Baseball as the WWE? Yeah. Yeah. We were were clashing when we were talking. I think it was a lag, but go ahead. I wasn't saying anything. Oh, okay, okay. Um, We look at – we can – honestly look at Major League Baseball as if like how we look at the WWE in terms of 
territories and them picking up the AWA, them picking up um, um, WCW, them picking up a few other companies um, along the way. And now people are getting recognized for it when, you know, when the Hall of Fame is coming around. So, uh, no, I get you. I, I get you 100% on that, Peter. Um, any final words on this topic? Or? No, I think we're good. Okay, cool. Let's get into something that we were, uh, we, we've talked about like minuscule, but I think it, it's important because we spoke about it way back, <laughs> but we haven't spoke about it again. But um, college athletes and them getting paid for their services. Excuse me. So, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey is um, leading the charge to get a landmark college athlete's Bill of Rights introduced into Congress. So what's going to be in the um, Bill of Rights, this bill grants name, image, likeness rights to athletes and requires schools to share 50% of the profit from revenue generated, 50%. That's a lot. Right. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, profit from revenue generation generating sports with athletes. All schools also would be required to disclose the finances of the athletic departments, not just the revenue and um, expenditures, but the salaries of all department and personnel. Right. For scholarships, college athletes would be required to receive a scholarship for however long it takes them to complete their undergraduate degree and bans administrators or college coaches from influencing their their choice of major and from retaliating against them if the choice is something they don't approve of, uh, which I've, I've heard that's happened before, but that that that's a whole nother story. Transfer freedom. All restrictions on transfer athletes would be removed, as would penalties for like breaking, uh, for, uh, for penalties for breaking a national letter of intent. Medical costs, medical trust fund would be set to cover um, all out-of-pocket costs for college athletes while they're in school, and could be assessed um, up to five years after graduation to cost the cover of sports-related injuries. So if they get injured in college and, and from college on for the next five years, if that injury is nagging, they can always go back into the fund and be covered for surgeries and, and stuff like that. And health and safety standards. At the government level, it will create an enforceable health and safety standard through departments of health and human services and centers for disease control and prevention with special focus on tra um, brain trauma and injuries and sexual assault. Um, after reading this and, and uh, you know, seeing your reaction and, and knowing what I know about the NCAA, Tay, Give us the already no nos about about this bill. What the how the NCAA will probably just fight that. Like, there are so many different. Okay, I get the intent. Yeah, I feel that some college athletes should be compensated for their image, their likeness, their brands. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying as as their development. You get what I'm saying. Yes. But do I feel do I feel like this is proper? I don't feel like this is going to be something to to 
to really sink their teeth in for real. It's not realistic. I feel as mm -hmm. if 50% of, of profit, 50 of profit is a bit much for an amateur style league. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I do feel like yeah. they that college athletes do deserve a little bit more protection, but you, we are missing the key word here, college. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? The whole, yeah. the whole, I lost my complete chain of thought. My whole, um, the whole goal of this is for athletes to be able to make this their passion for the professionals. And I feel like this is kind of, Oh no, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I think 50% is too much. Oh. Um I the reason why I think 50% is a little bit too much is of course we're taking we're, we're taking the power back from the NCAA. I'm all for that because uh um I think the NCAA makes way too much money off the names and the likeness of players. So let me let me get that straight. Um, but fifty percent is a lot. And then we're amateur athletes. We're not trying to pay amateur athletes as if they are um, semi pro or G League athletes. They're not semi pro right. athletes, Dre. Right. They're not semi pro athletes. They are collegiate athletes. Most of these. Um, most of them are still kids playing in the league. Um, again, I'm not saying don't give them anything, um, but half of what your company makes, uh, and then it's not even completely clear on the exact half or how much exactly is really going to the players. So you could put 50% there, but with NCAA, there's always loopholes and stuff like that too. Yeah, but now you're that, gonna make athletes. These athletes get publicists. These athletes yeah. get agents. So mm -hmm. now, what's the point of college or taking college seriously at all? My See, mm -hmm. pros. Mm -hmm. he, he, here's my thing, right? You can't yeah. see. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm currently feeding my dog, so I'm like in my <laughs> kitchen. How long does that take? <laughs> um, a big dog. Yeah, big and, dog. and I gotta cut chicken for her and a whole bunch of other stuff. What um, a podcast! Like, <laughs> no, because her her lunch time's at a certain time of the day. Anyway, um, so no, so here's my thing. Uh -huh. I I see it two ways. Okay, I see I see it both ways on this. Now, the only y'all know. And I mean, I know, I know Queen's gone to like, she's gone to Oxford and she's gone to Yale and she's gone to Harvard and Queen has gone to all the best schools in the world, right? Um, I, I went to this little school uh, that generates a lot of sports money called Syracuse mm -hmm. University, right? Um, and, and there are pros and cons to everything when it comes to paying college athletes. Here's a couple of the pros, right? Let's just go here. I believe that paying college athletes will allow for our students to stay in college longer, especially our athletes. We find that our athletes leave. The reason why, and, and, and we're really focusing on basketball and football, 
right? The reason why many of our basketball players, especially leave after one year of college, is because of the money that the NBA can afford them when they leave to go to the NBA, especially if they're a star player. Right now, obviously, the NFL and the NCAA have a three year agreement. You must be a, I think, a two to three year player in the NCAA uh, and have used two to three years of eligibility before you're eligible to move to the NFL. Unfortunately, the NBA uh, still has only the one and done rule, right? And the NBA, before the one and done rule, was recruiting players straight out of high school for a long time, right? Um, and right. you easily jump straight to college. And when we talk about this, we also have to remember that we're talking about our black and brown athletes. Because here's the thing. You don't see, you know, you know, John Justin, the star swimmer on the collegiate swimming team, leaving after two years to go make his millions. Okay. They're staying four or five years, getting their getting their bachelor's, getting their master's degrees, using up all their eligibility, doing what they gotta do and get it done. It's our black and brown athletes that get the short end of the stick, but they're the they're the backs on which these universities are making the most money. Cause see, here's the thing. You can cut the swimming team, you can cut the tennis team, you can cut this, you can cut that, and you're not gonna lose a lot of the revenue. Let me tell you this Alabama. Alabama made, I think, 60, uh, 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 I think about 16 something. I forget what it was. Oh, no. It was 164. Alabama Athletics in 2019 made 164, round that up, let's say $165 million in revenue. All of the athletics teams. You know how much Alabama football was responsible for? 60% of that revenue. Okay. 98 Point four million dollars was generated by the Alabama football team. Mm. Okay, so no, go ahead, Queen. Go ahead. But is it the brand that's making the money or the players? This it's is like the, the you're right. This you're right. For the horse, correct. Because you have all right. An average basketball roster is what 16, 17, 18. You want to say that average thing? basketball 15. Let's let's go with 15, 17 with 15, injury 15, players, yeah. yeah, yeah, with injury reserves, yes. right? If mm-hmm. you are not top prospects, correct for the NBA, I don't uh-huh. know who you are, right? Mm-hmm. You're right. So I wonder, so I wonder if 50% is putting a lot of stock on these young players, you get what I'm saying, and what's to stop them from feeling like, hey, I'm making. Three million here in college, but I can make a hundred million in the NBA. It's still dollars and cents. And you're gonna have agents who are going to kind of guide these kids' careers. They're still kids. Yeah. And I think part of it is part of it's also gonna help that with the disparity, Queen, right? So one what was one of the things we talked about in like the eighties and the nineties in college, right? You had great players at all these different universities because players would stay. Right. If you wanted to play center for Georgetown, you knew you were getting blocked by Patrick Ewing. You weren't going to you know, start over Ewing. So you had to go to another college so that you could be a starting center. And I think almost what you said will, 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 would, would that would almost revitalize that because you're going to get that point guard who's going to be the second guy off the bench for Duke. And he's going to say, you know what? I can go to UNC. Or I can go down the road to Davidson, and I can be the starting point guard over there. It's making it a pro, a semi-pro league, and not making it a collegiate league. You a collegiate league. You get what I'm saying? It's a big difference. 
know what I'm saying? I don't feel like these players should also be using these schools too as landing points. Who's to say that I'll go to a school like ABC, INT, and that they're a trash team, but I know they'll throw a lot of money at me. So right. it's the same thing. Yeah, that's why I, I said I, there's a lot of pros and cons. College and collegiate with this bill mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. kind of you know, being dwindled and drowned out by capitalism, and I don't think that's right. And yes, I, I do feel like NCAA sports teams make a lot of money, but it's the Oh, I think she froze up, but I think she, she was going to say it's the, I think brand. She was gonna say the brand, right? Yeah, okay. and, and she's not wrong. She's not wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Let me let me first say off straight off the bat, Tay is not wrong, right? It's the Alabama brand that makes the money, but then you know I would take that a step further and say, well, without the players that Alabama has, there is no brand, right? So you need the players to have the brand, and then the brand becomes strong on the play. Of the players, right? You, you, Nick Saban isn't going to coach Alabama, you know, it's and so I know, and, and there's a lot of, and I agree with you, Tay. I think this is a this is a tough argument because I think there's you you're you're gonna have a lot of great points, and you already do, right? About why this can be so problematic, and I think I also, you know, I also I'm hearing a lot of those points. I have some of those points in my head. For example, one of the cons that comes with this is you have to get rid of scholarships. You have to get rid of athletic scholarships if this is what you're going to do. Because if you're going to pay players, you're now going to be able to get them to cover. They can now cover their own room and board and everything else that's usually covered via an athletic scholarship, right? Um, at a school, you know. So if they're getting paid, this is putting right. education further and further and further from. And unfortunately, I think that's the bigger that's the bigger problem that nobody's really talking about, right? Well, when I think they said athletes, I think they said that uh, they're now athletes, college athletes. They're not student athletes. athletes but still, yeah, I think they'll still be required to receive a scholarship. And that's the thing; so, I don't think you should receive a scholarship because what Tay said is true. If you're the starting quarterback on the Alabama football team, you're probably mm-hmm. going to get paid big money compared to the starting quarterback on the Miami of Ohio team that doesn't really make the college football playoff a lot. So my thing is then be, or if you're the if you're the third offensive if you're the third right guard on the team, you know, you're not going to be getting paid like that. What about the what happens to the walk-ons? Do the walk-ons get paid? Do you know are they going to get so I think Go ahead, go ahead, Dre. Yeah. I think that um the prop there's a bigger problem here too. Uh, but you mentioned it already. It's the name value of the schools. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago in term and, and, and months before, where you would have a player that plays at a H uh at a historic, uh, uh, historically black college, right? And historically black colleges do not get the same funding as a Duke, right? As an Alabama, as a uh, as a Syracuse, as a as a nothing, and don't generate so, the same kind now of we're talk- Right. So now, if we're talking money, somebody at Duke, uh, let's say JJ White, random and random player JJ White could be making, I don't know, twenty five thousand dollars in a year. Wait, wait, it, 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 I know that, that they're not going to be making money like that, 
But player A could be making $25,000 just based off the fact because he's playing at Duke. And then player B, because he plays at an H, uh, HBCU, is making $3,000 a year. So yeah, now it's the problem. Right. So you're, now you're saying, yeah, we're paying players, but it's not, it's not the same. Unless you're, now you're saying, hey, okay, we have to fund more in, into the, um, the black colleges so that this can make sense. Because it's making money, but it's not making sense now. So, and, and if it doesn't make sense, you're really still not going to be making money. Like, you're, right. you're throwing money away. You're, you're throwing love, money yeah, away for no reason. A little bit there. I feel yeah. like it's big equity. I feel like yeah. it's a false sense of security. And I feel like let these let these players – I now, while I do feel that they can get a little bit more than a scholarship, I do yes. feel that. I do feel like their talents deserve more than a scholarship. I do not feel that college players should be getting endorsements. I don't agree with that. Me personally, I don't. Mm -hmm. I do feel like if there's an NCAA game, uh, video game, they should be play, paid for their license and their images being used. You get what I'm saying? I just need to know how many of a percentage of these players actually make it into the professional league. It's not a high percentage. No, it's not, especially when you're talking about especially when you're talking about NCAA basketball and football. I they think have to fall back on their education, which is now mm -hmm. being pushed down even further right. than before. When I was coming up in my college years, we had football player guys and basketball player guys that barely knew how to read. And it's so still like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you it's still like that. Still like that. that. No. No, but I know. I think God I know. It was, I think it was worse. God, I know. I, I really think soul. it was worse. God rest his soul. When I was at Syracuse and he passed away uh, tragically at a young age, Fab Mello. Yes, Fab Mello came in to play center for Syracuse. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, you would meet him on campus, and you'd ask him, "Hey, Fab, what do you, what, you know, how your class is going? What, you, what you studying?" And Fab Mello's answer to anybody who ever asked him that was just this: "I am only here to play basketball." That's it. That's and it. And that's what you're going to get. And that's what you're going to get. And, and if I can finish my point, right? Yeah. They're still student athletes. They're not athlete first, student second. You get mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I feel like bills like this, I feel like it's misguided in a way. I think that people are so worried about revenues that brands and colleges and stuff are making that they feel that that equity should be given to the players. I feel like that equity should be given back into racial equality on campuses and different mm -hmm. things. You get what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, I'm not putting stock, all this stock into somebody that's not going to be on the professional level. I'm not doing that. Right. But I and don't feel like we be getting endorsements. I don't yeah. feel like we should be getting those type of bigger deals. I feel like more than a scholarship, Mm -hmm. Less than a Ferrari. Yeah. 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 I I agree with you. In terms of the endorsement deals, we got to be careful. We definitely have to be careful because, again, you don't want a player coming out of college. Like, we're, we're talking about doing this bill. So, boom. God willing or forbid, however you see it, the bill passes, right? Everybody's getting paid. Now, player A is above average, and Nike's like, we want you. 
We want you. All right. We know we know how Nike give it up when they when they want to give somebody money. All right. So boom. Now instead of making what every other player is making, now this player who again not judging by the player, but like Tay said, this player could just be there to play ball. You have other players out there, player B, C, and D could be there getting their, their doctoring and, and, and all this other stuff. And they're making the bare minimum while player A is just passing by, just there to play ball. But now he has a million-dollar contract plus whatever, whatever NCAA is giving him. Again, it's not fair. It, if you're going to make it fair, and, and like Tay said, student first, athlete yeah. second. Some kids who are mediocre, a little bit above average players who get college scholarships to just – that's their only way – to be able to get into and pay for college. Right. And I know they people who know. They might not even yeah. care about yeah. playing in the pros. Mm-hmm. I think. I know I people think- who know like Lance Stevenson personally. And what you said about Fab Mello, God rest his soul. It was kind of like that for Lance. Uh, and, and I've played against Lance before in tournaments and everything like that. I've spoken to Lance. Lance is a regular dude like off the street. And. His only job was to play ball. He did what he had to do. He he left and 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 went and played ball again. But imagine you go back in time and and we have this something a bill like this in the back. We don't get the Allen Iversons. We don't get the Patrick Ewings. We don't get the Kareem's. Uh, we don't get the Mellows. We don't get we don't get nobody. Basically, everybody is is out for money. I think college is not about money. It's about but, your education. Also, hmm. Dre, this also uh-huh. comes from something, and something that Tay said really sparked this idea in my head when mm-hmm. she talked about, and I believe it was Tay. Please correct me if I'm wrong. If it was you, Dre, but this mm-hmm. idea of like uh, capitalism in in, okay. in college sports, right? And this argument has gained steam, and this argument has started to become more and more prominent as college athletics programs have started to make more and more and more money hand over foot, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Alabama's television contract, Alabama gets $30 million a year just for college football television, Mm. right? UCLA, when Kareem was playing, I don't think was even making a fraction of that kind of money from their athletics. 100 years ago. Right, right. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, this is this wasn't even a big deal in the '90s. I would say it's probably been the last 20, maybe 15 years where this has become a major thing because the explosion of NCAA basketball and football money and the way that that. And again, we're not talking about NCAA tennis. We're not even talking about NCAA lacrosse. This is really focused, honestly. Every time this comes up on basketball. And football players. And, and it, what's, what's also more un- upsetting is that the pro leagues have a hand in this. I don't know if y'all remember that player for the, uh, for the Florida State Seminoles, the safety Myron Roll. He received a Rhodes Scholarship. The man became a neurosurgeon. He got drafted. And the reason why people didn't want to sign him is because they said, he wasn't completely focused on football. Football wasn't his whole life. He had a plan 
after football. He knew he wanted to play football for a short amount of time. He wanted to leave. He wanted to go get his, he wanted to do his Rhodes scholarship and he wanted to become a neurosurgeon. That was where his future was, but he did want to play in the NFL. And there were teams that had an issue with him because his focus was not completely on football. And, and, and unfortunately, we tell especially our young – but you know what? This wasn't the case for – and I'm forgetting his name. Um, the, the running back, I believe out of Stanford, uh, the white kid that got drafted. I forget where he, uh, where he went. Big-name kid um, got drafted in the first round. Nobody complained about him spending four years in college. Nobody complained about the fact that he spent four years finishing a double degree in college and then waited to get drafted. But we see, okay, black and brown star players in the NFL, and we wonder, well, why are they playing more than they have to? Why don't they just go to the NFL? Why don't they just go to the NBA? So we, we diminish their educational pursuits. Yeah. And right. this bill is doing the same thing. I'm not saying it's not. Yes. I'm, not saying it's not. I'm just saying. Yes. We it is. This bill is making it worse. Yeah. We dimin- that pressure is there for them. Just get this out the way so you can get into the league. That's that. Right. that and then this is just like, hey, hurry up even further because you, you can make $2 million now. Right. So you can make $200 million in the NBA, NFL. And you for too many. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. You know, Dre brought it up. Dre brought it up. Tay has brought it up. Uh, Dre brought it up with Lance. Tay has brought it up as well. Unfortunately, over the last 15 to 20 years, college has been seen as nothing more than a road to the NBA. Or the, Kids aren't going to college. If you're a basketball player, you ain't going to college for college. You're going to college just because you have to to go to the NBA. Okay. Yeah. Now, we've seen kids. Now, with the G League taking kids, if you don't want to go to college, you can go to the G League. We saw what Melo did and Jello did where they went international because the NBA will accept that as playing time. Well, at the, um, to close out again, I, with than, those. My last point, less yeah. than 10% of college players make it to the league. So this yep. is a hell of an investment. Yes. For – this is a hell of an investment. So let's look at the, the numbers. Have to make sense. Yeah, that's at the end of the day. If the numbers don't make sense, don't do it. That like like leave it leave it as is. I understand what the NBA is doing in terms of G League stuff. Like okay, you don't want to use college as a springboard, or you feel like you're good enough to go to the pro leagues. Okay, here is your course, but it is directly correlated with the National Basketball Association. So whatever happens with them, happens with them. With college, you're adding too much stuff into it. And then when you go to the league, who who's to say that NCAA doesn't get a piece of your name while you're in the league? There's little stuff like that, that can be misconstrued and missed in contracts and, and all these bills. But uh, we digress. TLC is this Sunday. TLC is this Sunday, and this card is, is pretty good. Bring your left eye back? That's tough, bro. <laughs> He's huh? terrible. He's, I said TLC is this Sunday, and he said they bring a left eye back. Peter's the worst. That's my favorite <laughs> member of TLC, man. Peter's the worst. <laughs> if, if, I, if, if Tay had admin privileges in here, well, there's no admin privilege, but she'd probably just kick you out of the day. <laughs> but, um, 
let's start at the the bottom of the card. Well, not so much a bottom card, but we know this is going to open up the um, the pay per view. The New Day, Kofi and Xavier versus the Hurt Business, Cedric and Shelton Benjamin for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Um, Cedric Alexander has been pretty much, if you go storyline, carrying the load for the Hurt Business with back-to-back wins against Kofi and Xavier. So um, they're looking really good. Plus another win against the New Day in a six-man tag on Monday, thanks to um, Cedric. Do you think that um, this is the time to uh, take the belts off New Day and put it on um, somebody else for a little bit? And who do you think is going to come out with the win, Tech? Um, I don't. I keep it on the New Day. I'll go with the New Day. Okay. They're still new to Raw. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. They they had their longest reigning tag team championship reign on Raw. So, but yeah, I get what you're saying in terms of just coming back. Yes. Yeah, I they get need you. To we don't know where it's going to mm-hmm. go. This hurt business situation. I don't think they need belts so that they can lose every week with belts. Yeah, that that's also <laughs> that's also one of those things that that usually ha- tends to happen. Pete. Um. So your question was in two parts, and I think it deserves two answers. I think the new day are going to win. Simply mm-hmm. because of the way that this story has progressed, and we've seen the hurt business beat them already so many times. If you know, and and to me, it's just it makes no sense. You're gonna have them lose on national television every every week, then to lose again on the pay per view makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but your other question, do I think it's time to move on from the new day? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. Um, I do think it's time to move on. I love them. Don't get me wrong. I think Kofi and Xavier are great, and I love the fact that Xavier's getting a lot more burn now, especially coming back off of injury. But I think the logical progression should have been to get it on the Hurt Business. I would have liked to have seen this set up so the Hurt Business can get it because um, I think they've been putting in Yeoman's work and uh, they deserve they deserve a run at it. Um, but if they win at TLC, it just falls flat because they've beaten, the, they've beaten them every week on TV. And it's just like, okay, then why didn't you just do this three weeks ago when you had them fight on Raw? Makes sense. You know? uh, no, it makes 110% sense. I think if... Hurt business would were to beat them a couple weeks back, and not with the you know the the fluky finish that that happened um, because of you know because of um, wrestler error, but um, it, it falls flat. But again, the fact that we do have um, two black tag teams fighting for the tag team championship just in general is something big. So win or lose, we're still winning. We've had uh, what back to back events, back to back to back events where our black men in tag teams are shining. So I like it. Um, TNA just had a pay-per-view with two black men main event at the pay-per-view. That's the first time two black men have main event in the pay-per-view since, I believe, The Rock and Booker T at SummerSlam. Does it happen? Does it? And this is all promotions. So um, Sasha and Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship, me personally... Um, Sasha's gonna win. <laughs> Sasha's gonna win. I see no reason to take the belt off her. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, I think Sasha's gonna win. Though I feel like you know, I, I almost hate that the storyline happened so quickly, and this title match is happening so quickly after Sasha won. Because I would like to see this go back and forth between the two women, but because this happened so quickly, it's almost so predictable that it's like. 
if you take the belt off of Sasha now, it's like, why did you put it on her to begin with? Right. right. But the thing is, there's so many ways they can go with Carmella's uh, assistant. I just watched SmackDown, so don't. Yeah. I can, yeah. See, I can see it being a screwy finish, which will prolong this feud for a little bit longer. Though, yeah. you know what I would like? I know it won't happen, though. What I would like, especially because I just, I, it popped into my head yesterday because of the assistant. Who's been walking around SmackDown with a resume? My girl, Billy mm. Kay. If Billy, if they, it would be really, really cool if they would align Billy Kay with Mella with the whole resume business that uh, Billy Kay's been doing and have Billy Kay be the reason why Sasha gets screwed. Because then it gives, it gives Billy some great TV time because Sasha's going to have to run through her to get to Mella. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that. I like that idea. I think, I think. I do think um, if the story was progressed a couple months, maybe yeah. a little bit like before SummerSlam or something, I can see that happening in the belt coming off Sasha because um, the blood feud with Bailey just happened and she retained recently and she retained twice. I think you have to give her a lengthy run. Tay said this before. You have to give Sasha some type of credibility with this run like it, it, it's it, it's the same thing when we talk about roman later on because roman's basically in the same kind con- roman and ko are basically in the same type of like like situation but um nia jackson Shayna baszler versus oscar and to be decided because they uh it, um nia and Shayna injured um lana on raw uh a lot of people are saying that uh well, kick my, my camera over. Um, a lot of people are saying it could potentially be um, Charlotte. That's the rumor going around. That's the rumor going around. Um, I wouldn't mind it being Charlotte, but you know where that leads to. That leads to kind of uh, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold type of thing where the tag team ends up facing each other or uh, HBK, John Cena type of situation where the tag teams face each other for the world champions. So, um, until we know who <laughs> her partner is, I'm gonna say that Nia and Shayna are probably retaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it depends on who they partner her with. I would love to see Charlotte Flair. I think um, the Royal mm-hmm. Women's Division is missing her terribly. Um, she is my favorite on the Raw. Well, on the on the women's side, and um, I mm-hmm. feel like she would be a much needed boost because um, this bullying storyline with Lana and stuff like that, like, if she's really injured and, and, and things, it kind of mm-hmm. will fall flat. And I'd like to see Shayna back in the main event scene as far as for a title. I feel like we had such a missed opportunity to see mm-hmm. her continue being that brawler. Um, and I kind of hope that this will kind of spill like the end of her and Naya and have them feud. I agree. I agree. Like an actual feud. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, right. um, yeah. I think, you know, so uh, Andre in the chat brings up another one of the rumors that's been going around that actually they will find a way to get Oscar out of the match and have the returning uh, Mandy and Dana team be the ones to take on Naya and Shayna. Um, that's been a rumor that's been floating around as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would 
if Asuka stays in the match, I'm picking Nia and Shayna simply because I am not a fan. Uh, as much as I'm a fan of Asuka, I'm not going to be a fan of her carrying around. Um, she's not Bailey Sasha. Right, right. That carry around both straps. She's good enough, talent-wise, don't get me wrong. But I think what Bailey and Sasha did with it uh, was very, very unique and very, very cool. And I don't want to see it again right now so quickly after it just happened. Um, but I do agree 100% with Tay. I want Nia and Shayna to lose the titles simply because I want to see Shayna go on to do other things. Um, I feel like right now they're just treading water with her. In this, having her as one of the tag team champions when she could very well be one of the top women in the division. If Charlotte comes back, it'll be cool, but it'll also be interesting to see how they story her in and what her what her placement is going to be in the current Raw setup. Um, I will say that if they – if because I think Lana is actually injured, and that's why they did the injury on Raw. She, yeah, she's actually, she's actually hurt. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think if Nia and Shayna lose the titles, if they can, Lana mm-hmm. should be the reason why. Not physically yeah, get involved, but she should be the reason why, which would then mm-hmm. allow her and Nia, when Lana is healed up again, to continue their story to its logical mm-hmm. conclusion. Um I also think with the Shayna Baszler thing, real quick, if this is done, completely done, trade her to SmackDown. Trade her to SmackDown. Uh, Keep her on raw I, because who's the who's the bad who's the biggest foil for Oscar right now? It would be Charlotte when Charlotte comes back. Yeah, but Charlotte was still me. Nobody. Charlotte would. I would feel like the the most logical thing was would be to send Charlotte to SmackDown. Keep Shayna on Raw. So have Charlotte and 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 Charlotte and, Bailey um, and Sasha all as uh, Charlotte's. I feel having Charlotte, yeah, I get Charlotte, you, yeah, 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 and Bianca all on the same platform kind of uh, deval. It's going to end up devaluing somebody. I'd like to see some kind of separation. No, I think, separation. No, I think it's gonna. No, I think it's gonna. It's gonna make yeah, SmackDown so good. Episode, give me a chance. Okay. You ready. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, Charlotte and Oscar, we've seen that a million times too. We haven't seen. Everyone was talking before Charlotte took her leave of absence of Charlotte and Bianca having a good quality feud. That was the the rumor coming out of WrestleMania, right? So mm-hmm. now, if you have Charlotte on Raw, you have a chance of putting her with Nia, putting her with Shayna putting her with Oscar, putting her with different people. I feel like if you have Charlotte on SmackDown, you'll have more fresher feuds. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? But the Royal Women's Division, I think they need to have a separate draft and kind of reconfigure how we play this out. I don't know how long Oscar's had the belt, but I feel like she's had it forever. It does, it does feel like she's I had it for had a minute. It since, since Becky <laughs> gave it to her, I think she only lost it temporarily to Sasha yes. and then cut it back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That is it's, it's weird. Um the Firefly fun the Firefly Inferno match. Bray versus Randy. Um when they made it an inferno match, I automatically was like, all right, is is Randy really gonna 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 
take like like being burned does it make sense for randy to to burn up and i'm like all right well not saying the fiend can't lose this one but he shouldn't lose this one but they turned it into an inferno match so i'm kind of now looking at it like all right well i guess randy is gonna win this one not that i have a problem with either man going over but it's kind of like you kind of took the mystique out of the match <laughs> so didn't Seth Rollins destroyed the Firefly Funhouse before? Yeah, he burned it down. Um, he burned it down and it was rebuilt. It got rebuilt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they have a really mis. I think they have a really good chemistry with each other. I think yeah. that Randy was the only person to kind of make um, the Fiend look. Anything remotely to an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I, I mean, like you said, Dre, I wouldn't care whoever wins. I would love to see it in a cinematic way. Yeah. And I likely think that's what's going to happen. Uh, Orton, uh, and it, I had to do a little bit of digging. Orton is the only one to have touched, well, one of the only people to have touched all the iterations of uh, Bray Wyatt. Yeah. He ended Husky Harris. He was the one who punt kicked Husky Harris and ended that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously he turned on Bray and burned down the shack. Um, and now obviously here we are again with the fiend. So this is a very interesting story with, with Bray and, and Randy. Um, I definitely see it being done cinematically. Um, I am on board with anything they do that Bray himself has a hand in producing um i think everything that he's had a hand in that comes from his brain has really been really really great and i know that one of the people that's been working very closely with bray and bringing a lot of his ideas to to life has been jeremy borash who by the way does not get the right amount of flowers that he should get and what he's done um in in wrestling um I I see Bray going over only because to me it's the only logical thing to do. Randy going over does nothing for the story and for the progression of Randy. Mm-hmm. Bray going over does something not only for Bray but could also help Randy with the idea of everything the fiend touches changes. So this could lead to a new direction for Randy as well as helping with the progression of the fiend. I agree. Agree. I agree. AJ Styles versus Drew McIntyre in the TLC match for the um, WWE Championship. This looks like it's listed as the main event, but we kind of know what is really the main event match. Um, I did not want to see Drew versus AJ in a TLC match. I would rather them an actual match, so it kind of takes the steam away from me from this match. Um... I'm going to say Drew wins this one um, because on Raw, they have this thing where they have to make Drew um, feel like how people felt about John Cena being Super Cena and they and, and like make him like like be like the super duper dominant face that oh, kills everybody. Mark said that Roman Reigns was when he really wasn't. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't. <laughs> Because when 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 Reigns had the title when he was face, 
it was like he he would lose more than he would win, and and and, and that's that's not up for debate at all. Then people can look at that. Um, but I'm just gonna say Drew because it's a TLC match, and I don't think almost is gonna make that much of a difference because we haven't seen almost get physical with anybody yet. So I'm gonna say Drew. Um, I don't see the title changing hands at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But I do want to see this feud built out a little bit better, a little more. Um, mm-hmm. AJ has the ability to turn anything into high-class four-star, five-star matches, right? So I feel mm-hmm. as if he's going to – he loses nothing by not winning the belt. Right. Um, I I just don't understand what they're doing with AJ. I'm I'm very lost on what AJ's direction is right now. Um, with that being said, I think that the only way this match this match should end with AJ winning the championship because I I feel like that would give AJ some direction and Galloway well McIntyre sorry McIntyre chasing the championship um is always a good thing um. But where do y'all get this whole thing where good guys chase? We grew up in the era where the bad guys always chased. Not the right. But a ba- the, 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 having the mountain for the baby face to climb um, is just – for some baby faces, it's just – there are some baby faces that can just be the top of the mountain all the time. He is not that type of baby face because you don't believe him as an underdog. And I think that's just built – yeah, I, 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 and I agree, and I think that's based on the way that they, they, they've built him. Um, and here's the thing. I think we are going to end up getting the next logical feud being eventually Sheamus and Drew, even if it's a friendly feud and not necessarily a, a heel face feud. But I don't want that to be for the title. And so I kind of feel like you got to do something with AJ. And I feel like AJ winning makes more sense. Drew winning kind of doesn't have any kind of fanfare for me. Um, but we still got a guy running around with a money in the bag contract. That's all I'm saying. Um, it reminds me of how they booked Kofi at, with Drew and the one and done feuds where, hey, yeah, this feud is awesome. It looks it's dope, but that's it. I thought Drew and, and Dolph could have been a little bit longer. I thought Drew and Dolph could have been like a couple months, but Go ahead, Ted. But um, getting back to the point, I feel as if mm-hmm. we have a very skewed way of who should be chasing and who should be having the belt. We come from an era where, where none of the mm-hmm. bad guys really held the belt besides the Intercontinental Championship. But at the end of the day, I feel like mm-hmm. Drew... Sorry. Mm-hmm. That Drew... Still needs this win more than AJ does. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was it. I agree. Yeah, Drew needs it a little bit more than AJ, and it's just the booking is kind of funky, and I, that that that's a whole nother story yeah, as well you know, because we, of. We just don't know. We just don't know. Um, but yeah. I do feel like AJ can go into a myriad of different feuds while Drew is kind of limited mm-hmm. to who he's going to be able to 
to face next. I could see AJ going into something with the Hurt Business just as equally as something against the New Day. I could see AJ go anywhere. Yeah. I don't see Drew going anywhere. Yeah. Agreed. Now, the real main event. Roman Reigns versus um, Kevin Owens. Uh, SmackDown was great last night. They basically was oh, like, one, every, anytime I see you on site, which was cool. Um, Kevin Owens looks great in this feud. Uh, but the problem that I'm having is that I feel the feud is rushed because they're not going to extend it. Um, what they were doing at the beginning could have extended for a while. In terms of, like, like you can't beat up Kevin Owens for three months straight without put and, and not put the title on him after that. Because now you're really devaluing him as an appoint, opponent, I think. That's how but I see where, it. But where has he been before this feud? That I, I, I knew you were going <laughs> to retort with that. That's why I was like, you, you're where, right. He I get that. I feel like KO deserves to be in the main event spotlight. I don't care if, if he's getting beat up yes. every week. I want to see KO getting <laughs> beat up every week if that means I get to see him in the main event seat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, we never, I think that mm -hmm. Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns always had a really good chemistry with each other. I always liked their yes. feuds with each other. As brief as they've been in the past, they've always kind of had mm -hmm. peekaboo feuds. I feel as if there can be many layers added to this to kind of prolong mm -hmm. it a little bit more. I feel as if you could add the Daniel Bryan coming to Kevin Owens' aid. You could add somebody mm -hmm. helping him and then kind of transitioning it to the Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns. You can, you can go a million different yeah. ways with this feud. I feel that KO is the right guy at the right time in the right feud with Roman Reigns. And I like this version of KO. It makes me sympathize with him. And I feel as if what they're doing a good job of is not making the title the forefront of the feud. They're making it personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was saying in terms, do you think, so I, I raised this question, do you think that the aggression went from zero to 100 too quick, or it was like this needed to happen the way it did because of who Roman is now? It had but to, because at least he's beaten up, at least the thing is, and now if Kevin Owens was getting whooped by Jimmy or Jay Uso, whichever Uso it is, right? If he's getting beat up by him and then getting beat up by Roman, you're like, come on, you, you know, fall back. But there has to be some, there's going to be an equalizer at some point if they kind of mm -hmm. extend this feud on. There has to be mm -hmm. some type of Daniel Bryan, some type of someone that's going to help KO in this feud, kind of transitioning it into like the Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns, but this could even mm -hmm. be a WrestleMania level feud. That's what I thought, which is why I was kind of concerned with it starting here and not maybe around the Rumble. But then you have a story in the Rumble for Kevin Owens to kind of make his way back around. But you need, let me say something in order for uh -huh. Roman to kind of get that final touch of legitimacy before mm -hmm. hopefully meeting The Rock one day, you need Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns. You need it. Because that was the reason why. The Daniel Bryan fever for the from the internet fans was the reason why Roman Reigns' first 
real touch of the main event scene went the way it did because everybody wanted mm-hmm. either CM Punk or Daniel Bryan. And, you know, he was, it just felt as if this was always the collision course for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I'm pretty sure we all have Roman winning, but Pete, what are your thoughts on, on this match and the feud in general? Roman Reigns hasn't won at TLC in eight years, so I think Roman's going to win. <laughs> um, let's put it like that. All right. well, <laughs> yeah, well, when you put it that way. I think yeah. if, if you're going to find a way to give Roman a victory at TLC, finally, this is the day to do This is the one to do it. I agree with everything Tay said. Um, I am a big fan of Kevin Owens. I was a big fan of Kevin Owens before he came to the WWE. Um, I'm a big fan of what they've been doing in this feud, and I think Owens has been a great foil for – reigns in this feud uh much better uh than than i think a lot of people thought he was going to be um and i really have liked and i and i brought this up last week on our show um and and i saw it happen last night right um i said i wanted to begin to see the more aggressive more prize fighter ish a little bit of those those tinges of that old nxt kevin owens and you saw that on last night's smackdown the way that he came out the way that he spoke in that promo um the things that he did um and i and, and i like the progression that we're getting of owens um i hope that we keep that a little bit of that in owens moving forward um i see no reason to take the title off of reigns honestly i think this is the first time in a very very long time I have said this. I would be happy to see them line main event star after main event star after main event star up for Roman Reigns to go up against. But mm-hmm. with all that said, I still worry mm-hmm. that the ultimate goal of this is Dwayne. Yeah. But if you you be bugging if you think that you would see The Rock versus Roman Reigns on WrestleMania with no fans. Oh no! If there's no fans, Dwayne uh, uh, Vince ain't gonna uh, Vince ain't gonna make the phone call. No, um, Rock said he wasn't doing it no, without that's fans. What, that's what we want. That's what mm-hmm. the world wants. That's what every industry wants. You and this storyline has been calling for it. Since the day that Roman Reigns said he is the head of the table and the head of the family, the first thing anybody who's a fan of wrestling said, well, what about The Rock? Right? right. Um, my whole thing is this, though. Uh, I think if we do get Roman – and Tay, please tell me if you think uh, – what you think about this. I've said this to a couple of friends that I've had conversations with. If we get Roman and The Rock at Mania – I think the title should not be involved if we get those two at Mania. I feel like Roman's got to lose the show. And I came up with this idea. I'm just going to throw this out, a little creative idea I came up with. The Rock has to be somehow involved in how Roman loses the title, not physically, but somehow involved in how Roman loses the championship which then leads Roman to want to face The Rock to get a measure of revenge of the embarrassment. Isn't that what happened with Rock Cena, though? The Rock caused Cena, even though they had a very big back-and-forth, passive-aggressive, really mean, girly-like feud, right? <laughs> it's true. It's it true. You know? It was. It was. 
it was what sparked it was when The Rock cost Cena the championship against The Miz at WrestleMania 27. I feel like you could even do a year-long thing between Rock and Roman, and it'll be money for WrestleMania 38. You don't even need them to to cross paths now. The Rock is still the biggest star in Hollywood, and Roman is the biggest star in WWE. You can definitely slow burn that in a way that's even I a lot of wrestling smarks didn't like Roxena. I loved Roxena. I thought it was very engaging. It put new eyes on the product. And I feel like you have an opportunity to do that with a little bit more of a personal flair, a personal touch. You knew it was going that way when you saw Afa and Sika. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then we need to see a little bit more of the unfolding of the layers of the family before we bring the rock out. I just worry, though. I, 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 I may, I do worry a little bit because I agree with everything Tay just said. I 100% agree. I do worry, though, if they get the okay for fans like normal at this year's WrestleMania, if they're going to try to hot shot it. That's what I worry about. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I, think I, I, I don't that, think so. What I think, think Tay said Yeah. I don't think Rock would allow that. And I also feel like now with the unfortunate passing of Pat Patterson, you know, rest in peace always. Yeah. I feel like The Rock wants one more run. Uh-huh. I I feel like he really wants one more run. Yeah. But I, I, it just has to be right. Roman needs to run Rockshot through everybody. And I missed I missed his appearance, but I know he I was on before he gets to the legend. I think um Yeah, I recorded it because I, I watched SmackDown this morning. Yeah, I, 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 I we watched it when we were at uh, yeah, uh, Brick's house. Yeah, there's a lag that's, in my in one of you guys' cameras, so I don't know. Yeah, I think that that's what has been that's what has been most of most of this episode. That's why I was like, oh man. Um, but to wrap that up, um, just we'll we'll put a bow on that. Um, so if you're watching TLC, let us know. Um, when you listen to this, let us know what you thought of TLC on our Facebook and Instagram. Now, pick five. Um, again, I apologize in advance. I wrote everything down. I didn't pick the games this week, but I'm not going to pick anything out of the ordinary to where we're, we're not or we don't know. Like, like it's going to be something where we, we have to think about it in, until, like, Monday. So, um, Pete, what's the record so far? Uh, Tay and I still tied at 30 and 19. Matt is one game off at 29 and 20. And Dre, 27 and 22. This yeah. game's happening today. Right, I'm not... that this... What? Yeah, this game's happening today. What's today's date? The 19th. Yeah. There's a doubleheader today. Bill... Oh, there's a Bills and Bron. Oh, yeah. Bills and Broncos at 430. Um, I'm not too concerned about that. The Bills should probably win that game. Yeah. Uh, Let's Panther, go. Panthers and yeah. All right. So none of those games. Um, yeah, because I have to go pick up Bears, my knees. Yeah, okay. 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 Bears Vikings, both six and seven. Pete. Hey. <laughs> Pete. <laughs> Dre. Pete. Pete. <laughs> 
taking the goddamn Vikings. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. I'm going with the. I'm going with the Bears. I'll take the Bears. All right. <laughs> I refuse to take that man, Mitch Trubisky, two weeks in a row. I don't even have enough time to freaking prepare for this one. I, I know. That is on me. <laughs> I ain't picking the Bears, Andre. I refuse. I refuse to pick the Bears. All right. <laughs> Hold on. Just give me 10 seconds. I got you. I'll, I'll look at the other game. I have other games, too. Um, okay. Eagles Cardinals. Oof. Jalen Hurts played really good last week. Mm-hmm. They looked good last week, but I'm still going to go with the Cardinals. I'm going to take the Cardinals as well. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the Cardinals. I, I like Jaylen, what Jalen Hurts did, but I don't know if that defense can hold the Cardinals. Okay. Browns-Giants. <laughs> Uh, laughing, <laughs> this could determine a lot, especially if um, the Eagles don't get the job done. <laughs> I'm taking the Browns. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the Browns. I'm going to take the Giants. Okay. I'll be the outsider. I'm already at the bottom. Man. It can't get no worse. I can't lose. I can't lose to nobody but myself. So. Like, um, Chiefs Saints. Go I can't go against um, I can't go against Pat Mahomes. Going with the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs too as well because um, Michael Thomas is out for the Saints. Um, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> and Michael Thomas is out. And I think he and I and I don't know if Drew Brees is going to be at 100. percent I honestly don't. I, I I don't either. I really don't either. So, I know Tay said it doesn't take that long, but I'm sorry. When you got 11 broken ribs and a punctured lung and you haven't played in a month, I don't care who you are. Your first game back ain't going to be good. No, at all. At all. So, the very last. I mean, I've, listen, he is Drew Brees. I might be I might be surprised, like, just like you said, Tay. Well, yeah, a game that. <laughs> Yeah. 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 We're not. We're not that surprised. <laughs> um, I wasn't gonna say Jets Rams, but we already know how that's gonna go. <laughs> uh, Niners Cowboys. Ooh. Um, five and eight Niners, four and nine Cowboys. I'm just gonna go with the Niners because I'm gonna need just all the teams to lose. So the so the Giants can make the playoffs. So it's a Niners for me. Who you got, Pete? I, I'm I'm leaning Niners. They're both terrible teams. Yeah, man. Is this uh, guy playing or not? No, I think Mullins is playing. I think. Well, they- one is terrible for one reason, and one is terrible for the other. So. Yeah. I like the Niners' defense. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take the Niners. Cool. And um Yeah, you took the Niners? The... Yeah, I took the Niners. And Tay, we were waiting for your no, it wasn't Bears. Was it Bears yeah, it Vikings? Bears Vikings? That's the last one. 
Yeah, that's the that was the that, first. That's the one we. That was the first one we came back. All right. I'll go with the. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> see, you see how frustrating it is to to want to take the Bears because you just can't believe in them, and then what happens? Mr. Trubisky dropped forty two on somebody last week, and nobody ever thought he was going to be that in his life. I did. Stop. That's it. why I picked Stop him. It. Stop it! Stop it! You didn't even know Trubisky was starting until I said something. When you said. I believed, but I picked him before I knew he was starting. So you just picked the Bears to piss me off, basically. Ooh, I'm gonna go with Minnesota. All right. So that is our pick five. Once um, again, Tay and I could only end up tied. Well, next week is the yep. last week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, next week is the last week. All right. I can't catch. Well, I can catch up if I go five and zero, but like, but no, I'll maybe, probably pa- I'll pass Matt. I'll let's, pass Matt. Let's take this on through the playoffs. You want to take it to the Super Bowl? Hell yeah! All right, you take it to the let's Super Bowl. Super Bowl. We'll yeah. take it. We to did. The we Super did. We Bowl. did start late in the season. We didn't start in week one. So we yeah. yeah, we we started right. week four. So. Yeah. Very nice. Right, so. That was fun, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the Your Sports Show. Um, I believe we will have another episode next week. I got my weeks confused thinking that this was the last week. But um, also stay tuned. We may have something special for our one-year anniversary. Um, so 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 stay tuned for that. So shout out to the rest of Jobs his Network. Of course, Cats and Do- not why I keep saying that show. Not that show. Um, two and a half bros. Uh, so zone talk us, of course, the your sports show, um, game night with Mikey Nelly, whole bunch of stuff, talk of champions, all of that. So for BK Matt, for the queen, Queen Tay, for the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado, it is your boy, big baby signing off. Peace.